Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 147 and my name is CJ Schroeder and with me as always my two stately co-hosts. First off, we have Just Dunks. Full of action. <laughs> and Brian Perlman. All your beasts are belong to us. <laughs> <laughs> the, the video that launched the internet as far as I'm concerned. <clears throat> All right. So we want to do uh, a little topic called state-based actions today. And this is a topic we have not touched in 106 episodes. So I feel like we can do it again. So that was four years ago. Honestly, until this moment, I had forgotten we did one already. Yeah. Like, I I was like, I don't know how we haven't done this. Sure, let's do it. It was uh, You actually might not have been on that one, because I noticed in the when I was looking at the show notes, we oh, had Raven, Raven Fox? Fox on. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that sounds right. So what episode number was it? 41. So was, seven, seven before I became a psychic. Yeah. I was I was actually thinking about like you know like how can I explain state based actions and I immediately went to the exact same analogy in my mind that uh, that the episode was named after those stupid little robot things that I was talking yeah. about I and I was like oh I can't talk about that it's, it's got to use a different analogy yeah you can talk about it no I'm not gonna you can go All back right. and listen to episode forty one okay. which hopefully hopefully won't contradict too much with this episode it shouldn't. But this no. one should be more clear if we actually get into it. So, oh. so Brian, what are state-based actions then if you're not going to use the older metaphor? Okay, so state-based actions uh, are game actions that that basically happen automatically whenever uh, certain things happen. Okay, so right before anybody gets um, – uh, they're like the garbage men of the game or garbage persons of the game. Okay, they're going to clean up. Uh, stuff that's out there. We're going to talk about, you know, player death and 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 enchantments hanging out there and, and tokens that go to the graveyards and stuff like that. That's what state based actions are. It's just before a player gets a chance to do something, the game checks, does these things, cleans up the board, and then you get to go on. It's like minute work. It's the Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, Esteban, Esteban, Esteban movie. Think minute minute work. I don't know. I just know him from Mighty Ducks. So, or Young Guns Two, not Young Guns One. Nobody watched Young. Everybody watched Young Guns One. Nobody watched Young Guns Two. Wasn't your original either. reference a Fifth Element one? And now it's like whatever you just said. No, originally I made it. Was, I I made a reference to like an old Looney Tunes cartoon. Oh, that I thought you it was guys... a fifth, little Fifth Element robot that comes out when he when Zork breaks the plate and it cleans it up and then it goes away. No, see, in in Looney Tunes, there's this, there's these two mice. You got me doing it now. That like it's, it's is, the home oh, of the future. Trick, so the listeners yeah. don't have to listen to the other one. It's the home of the future. It's the home of the future, and these two little mice come in, and you know, it's the cartoon was made in the '60s, so they're projecting what a house in the 2000s would look like, and it's it. all these robots. Like they'll break a plate, and like this this robot broom will just come out of the the wall and sweep the plate up, and then zoom back in. That's a state-based action. If the if you the player knock a plate off the table and make a mess on the floor, the state-based action robot will come and clean it all up for you, and then go and back. In this case, to... the plate is a bunch of creature parts. 
Yes. And the state-based actions clean or up. Cop, or the, a copy of a spell on the stack or something like that. Yes. <laughs> or some, a copy of a spell somewhere other than the stack, yes. Okay, so okay. when do we check state-based actions? Whenever we feel like it. Mm, no. I'm pretty sure pretty sure it's whenever I feel like it. No, it's not. <laughs> well, it just doesn't feel like checking state-based actions in the middle of resolving a spell. Okay. So I think he's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so state-based actions are uh, basically, uh, they're checked whenever a player would receive priority. Um, like, so if, if there's a point in the game at which a player would be about to receive priority, uh, before they get priority to do anything, we check state-based actions. And they're also checked uh, during the cleanup step. So uh, one one thing, we, we're going to check, we check state-based actions. So it's this list that we're going to go through. And if any of those state-based actions hit, we're going to check state-based actions again. And basically you keep running through the list of them until you run through clean. I, I, I want to clarify one thing about that. You yeah. do run through the whole list before you perform any of them. If, if there's more than one state-based action that needs to be performed, you perform them simultaneously. And mm -hmm. this may cause other state-based actions to need to be performed. But if two need to be performed at the same time, they are performed at the exact same moment. This is one of the few things in Magic that doesn't happen in some kind of sequence or order. Right. So you, you, you're going to look at the list. If anything on the list needs to be done, one or more, one or more things you do them at the same time then you look at the list again and we'll we'll get to that maybe with like player uh not player death like creature death or something like that but you 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 keep checking until you don't have any to do then and if you remember from our wonderful wonderful thing about triggers episode is then <laughs> triggers go on the stack then you you check state based actions again uh just for lulls i guess um, and then you get priority, uh, or, or sorry, those, those triggers could in theory cause state-based actions to happen again uh, in practice. I can't think of an example. We struggled with this exact same thing in the episode four years ago, and we've had four years and we still haven't come up with a, <laughs> an example for why that's relevant, but there you go. Rules nerds. Uh, state-based actions, check I triggers. I don't think. Check state-based actions again. You don't think what, CJ? This doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> well, sure. Okay, so 704.3. Yeah. If any state-based actions are performed as a result of the check, the checks are repeated. Otherwise, all triggered abilities that are waiting to be put on the stack are put on the stack. Then check. Then the check is repeated. Why? <laughs> I, so, I guarantee if someone goes back to 41, this exact same conversation happens. Yeah, I, I actually... I actually well, so so here's where, here's where I get to be a little smug. I actually looked into it uh, this morning, uh, or rather this afternoon, and the answer I got was philosophically they want checking state-based actions to be the absolute last thing that happens before a player gets priority. So hmm. it is it is, but it also needs to be the first thing. Well, yeah, because state-based actions can cause triggers. I know so, that's what I'm saying. So I, I don't see any logical reason for it to happen after. There's no no trigger going on the stack. Like there's nothing that says this has power and toughness equal to negative <laughs> the number of triggers on the stack. <laughs> it's like dead shadows for yeah. spells on the stack. For spells and abilities <laughs> on the stack. Um, All right, but I guess I guess they're set if it does exist one day. Yeah, they're probably <laughs> just doing a, a CYA thing. Oh, 
Hey Jess, do you want to make a prediction about Eldritch Moon requiring this uh, this particular rule here? Uh, no, no, because it definitely won't. That's my prediction. <laughs> Modern day uh, Nostromus strikes again. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. This will not be relevant in the next set. I'm going to go out on a, wow. on a limb and say not in the not in both sets of the block uh, or whatever the supplemental set is. So. We've got, so, you heard it here. You heard it here first. Not folks. even conspiracy two. <laughs> What's that? So, not even conspiracy two. Uh, not even conspiracy two. Take yeah. back the state based. So uh, I had a where you talk about Nostradamus. Uh, I had a a bottle of Snapple. This was years and years ago. Uh, pulled off the cap of Snapple and I looked on the underside of it and on the, the top of the cap it said Nostradamus predicted this, <laughs> and it just made me laugh. Right as you went into a con- into a story about Snapple, I was checking the length of the old episode to see how long it was and to see if we could beat it. And oh, well, stories about Snapple will not trending, get us there. Trending to no. <laughs> trending to no. Hey, look, man, we got we got an email just this week saying that they liked uh, random asides and stuff. And we got an email that said they wanted an SVA episode. I know, which is we weird. Sh- that was totally unrelated. Right, <laughs> we planned it. We planned it like the day before, and then an email. Hey, guys. It'd be really nice if you did an episode on state-based actions. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about some state-based actions. And some of these are self-explanatory. Some we'll try to go in-depth uh, a little more in, but... Um, I hope there will be some we don't talk about at all, because there's, there's a, a, a massive list of state-based actions. We're going to talk about all of them. You can't have an episode. Can we have... skip the Arch Enemy one, please? No, it's like, in there, and we're going to talk on. about it. Uh, 704.5X doesn't need to be one we talk about. <laughs> it's in there. We're talking about them. All right. I started I started reading it, and my eyes just, like, I couldn't make myself read it. <laughs> All right. But we're going to start with the ones we care about. Luckily, they're kind of in order of how much you should care about them. So uh, the ones that will actually happen in games of magic. Uh-huh. I'll start with the first one is, if a player has zero or less life, he or she loses the game. So that's what? a state-based section. <laughs> That's an easy one. Yep. So you play you you uh, you lightning the person's at two life. You lightning bolt them. The spell resolves. We check state based actions, and up oh, they're dead. Mm-hmm. Similarly, let's say you're at three life, and for some reason you lightning helix yourself. You'll lose three life, and you'll gain three life. So you'll be at three in the end, and because we don't check state based action state based actions in the middle of resolving the spell, you will survive. Right. So yeah. So if yeah, I was about to say the same thing that you said using a different card. Never mind. Hmm. What are you gonna use? A Johnny Vengeant? What? A Johnny Vengeant? What are we gonna use? No. Oh, okay. All right. Pro- probably the uh, the big version of that card. I am looking. Up, I am now looking up that trying to figure out that one card that does all three of them at once. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Yeah. Give us the next one, Jess. Ah, uh, so the bleh. sorry, I was reading the whole list. So where did we leave off? We're on B. Ah, the second okay. one, <laughs> dude. I I was reading some crazy ones. All right, anyway. So uh, the second one is if a player attempted to draw a card from an empty library or from a, a library with no cards in it, uh, since the last time a state-based action was checked, he or she loses the game. Um. This is worth, it's worth noting you don't lose the game just because you have an empty library. Yeah. 
you have to actually draw from an empty library. And awkwardly, you don't have to have an empty library when you lose the game. You only have to have tried to draw from an empty library. Oh, that's a great point. Something like uh, yeah. draw a card and then shuffle three cards. Yes. Graveyard yeah, empty uh, library or whatever. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a card from a few sets ago that can cause that. Um, but yeah. it's really rare. Also, if the card draw, if you replace the card draw with something else, uh, you know, the next time you would draw a card, instead do this. Yep. You can avoid uh, not drawing that card. Yep. And that'll get you out of it. I don't think you could do that with dredge, though, right? Right. You have to have that no. number of cards in your library in order right. to dredge. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right, Brian, what about this next one? All right, the next one is Poison yes. for four oh four uh seven oh four dot C or sorry four oh seven oh four dot five C. Don't read up don't read the numbers. Oh okay, so if you've got <laughs> ten or more poison counters, you're gonna lose the game. Yeah. Uh with an exception, if you're playing two headed giant, you're gonna use a different state based action. Yep. Uh, that would be 704.5U, because you're not supposed to read the number. Okay, so, th- I, so, so, if, if, um, so if you have 10 or more poison counters, you're going to lose the game. Uh, there are some cards that cause you to ignore these rules. Uh, there is one card. Now, this is, this, is the neat, this is the neat part. I found the card. There is one card. So we just did three state-based actions that cover player death. Uh, uh, zero or less life, ten or more poison counters, attempting to draw a card. There is one card in all of Magic that can make you lose all three ways at the same time. <laughs> uh, that card is Caress of Phyrexia. It is not uncommon from New Phyrexia. It is three black black. Target player draws. Uh, target player draws three cards, loses three life, and gets three poison counters. <laughs> That'd be quite the way to to get them. Right. I think that someone needs to make this happen. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I can think of right. other ways. I think about other cards that can make you lose two ways at the same time. Yeah. Right. But it's really hard to get poison, poison, and life loss and cards. Right. There's only uh, three ways to lose through SBAs. We just named them all. Like right. there, there is no other way to lose through a statement yeah, section. There's, well, well, commander, but well, don't forget there? about single elimination events with time limits. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that at the end. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> yeah, there was there was another card that like made you made you lose a tenth or something. Like you got a poison counter and you lost two life and you milled six cards. You remember that card? Yeah, but it doesn't make you draw. Right, it doesn't make you draw. Seems like it it should make you win all three ways, but it doesn't. Okay, so this very important one is if a token is phased out or is in a zone other than the battlefield, it will cease to exist. It goes. This is why they never phase back in. Well, they also have a rule that says they can't phase back in, just yeah, in case and... you try to work around it. Now, it's important to note that this is a state-based action and not a replacement effect. It doesn't cease to exist instead of going to the other zone. It goes to the other zone and then it ceases to exist. Yeah, but this is, yeah, yeah. So this is phasing out and uh, exile and right. Return now, to your graveyard. Right. Yeah. Now there, there's some flicker effects that say like, you know, exile target creature and then bring that creature back into back into play. Mm-hmm. Now 
since you don't check stay-based actions, you would think that you could take a token creature, exile it, and bring it back in because, hey, stay-based actions aren't checked in the middle, so there's nothing in the middle of resolving this spell that's going to that's gonna nuke that token. Uh, unfortunately, there's some other rules that say, uh, no, that, that token can't enter the battlefield from, uh, from exile or from anywhere, really. Yep. Yeah, I really focused on the phased out portion of this, but the exile portion is slightly more important. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, it's it's very common for things to get exiled, the tokens to get exiled, tokens to go to the graveyard, mm-hmm. occasionally they, get, they return to your hand. Or get uh, shuffled into your library. Or get shuffled into your library, uh, or put on top of your library, or various other yeah. things. They go uh, my favorite is the fact that you can shuffle it into your library and then it ceases to exist. <laughs> so you're right. shuffling like a penny in the live in your library. Well, for a while. Yeah. So you could, like theoretically, you could make an argument that you have to take one of those random token cards and then you shuffle it in and then you have to go through and find it, pull it out. <laughs> no, but don't I, actually do that. So if one of you listeners sends us a question about uh, a token copy of a panglacial worm that gets shuffled into your library, don't forget about oblation. It just, Sometimes people use oblation. I hate you. <laughs> no, you. If you want to have some fun, you talk about token copies of Simeon Spirit Guide that are put back into your hand with draw. <laughs> Whether or not you can exile them for the mana for the special for for, for the for the the sorry not the for the paying of the withdraw effect. So uh, I'll remind anyway. you, this, this will be in the learn to judge section of our website. <laughs> ah, all right. So forget <laughs> I mentioned any of that. It's one of the most complicated, strange interactions you can come up with. Uh, and uh, no, I've already forgotten. Good. Excellent. I'd be happy to talk about it in person if you could find me. Speaking of which, there were people this weekend in L.A. that said thank you for doing the podcast and they appreciated it, including some magic players. So thank you guys for listening. You guys are awesome. Hey, cool. Uh, now tell us about this next one, which is very similar to the previous one. Uh, okay, so if a copy of a spell is in a zone other than the stack, it ceases to exist. If a copy of a card is in any zone other than the stack or the battlefield, it ceases to exist. Okay. So um, I think it's worth noting this is copy as in the magic version of copy, not I have four copies of Lightning Bolt in my deck. Like a copy, like something makes a copy of target's incinerator sorcery spell. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a copy in the sense of the copy layer, right? Not a, not a copy in the sense of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, basically, this is a situation where, uh, you know, if, if I. Uh, if you have a, a copy of a spell on the stack, you know, you've, you've cast a twin cast or something and you've made a, a copy of a spell, and I counter your spell. If it it goes to the graveyard and then it ceases to exist, mm-hmm. just like the creatures, or if I dissipate it, it goes to the exile zone and it ceases to exist. Um, and you know, if you can manage somehow to make a copy of a card exist somewhere other than the zone of the battle, uh, the the stack of the battlefield, then it just it just ceases to exist. Normally, it involves like, oh, I'm gonna counter that spell, and it goes to you know exile it with suspend counters or something. No, none of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it does. Well, it yeah, does it exile goes, it. It and does it goes, put boom. suspend counters on it, and it does gain suspend. And then it just goes. <laughs> and it ceases to exist. <laughs> and it ceases to exist. Uh, 
Um, so yeah, so basically what we're getting at is is anytime that you would move a token or a copy of something, uh, uh, a copy of a spell, to anything other than than the battlefield or the stack, then you end up with a situation where um, it, it you're performing all of the actions that are supposed to happen, and then when state-based actions are check, checked, those cease to exist. Uh, this is usually not relevant. You do all the extra stuff, but if it, it does anything else with that, it will still do that unless a rule says it, it can't, like with Brian's example of, of when you blink something out and comes back, it can't come back. What's next, Brian? All right, so this one is the state-based action that everyone that has ever played against a Darksteel Colossus loves. Huh. Um, and that one is, if a creature has toughness of zero or less, less, it is put into the owner's graveyard. Regeneration cannot replace this event. So if you have a big 11-11 trampling indestructible creature and you can't get rid of it, you can always find a way, well, not always, but sometimes find a way to give it minus 11-11 and thereby dropping its toughness down to zero. And as a state-based action, it is put into the owner's graveyard. This is not a destroy effect. Yep, this does not mean it's destroyed. So regeneration uh, doesn't interact with this at all. So that, that is toughness of zero or less. So your your minus one minus one. Your spinal parasite, I think, is the card. It could suffer a tragic slip. Yep, that's okay. better. That's better. It could be dismembered or any number of of terrible terrible things. Uh, but anyway, uh, one thing spinal, so like spinal parasite is a minus one minus one creature, guys. Come yeah, on but now. it's one that nobody knows exists. <clears throat> so anyway, <laughs> uh, it, it is important that this isn't the same as being destroyed because there are replacement effects in the game that care about being destroyed, like regeneration or cards with totem armor, which is a, an ability from a while ago. And and uh, if you have anything that cares about it being destroyed, it just it doesn't apply. Now, it still um, dies, though, for triggers that care about dying. Dying is just the creature is being placed in the graveyard from the battlefield, which this is. It is right. dying, but it is not uh, destroyed. Except Darksteel Colossus specifically does not. Well, sure, okay. <laughs> but other creatures. Your yes. normal so, run-of-the-mill creature that you give minus, minus X, minus X2. Ju- using that as a jumping-off point, um, the next state-based action uh, is actually something that destroys creatures. So if a creature's toughness is more than zero, but it has at least as much damage marked on it as it's as it has toughness, uh, that's that creature has been dealt lethal damage and is destroyed. Um, regeneration can replace this ev- event. So anything that replaces being destroyed with something else, which might be a regeneration or might be exiling it or anything, um says that yeah, it works in this in this case. Alright. So, along uh, similar lines, uh, if the creature has toughness more than zero, so basically these next two, you know, they only care if something has more than zero, you're going to get some really pedantic judge questions one time in your life about this. Huh. 
<laughs> and about this specifically. And it's been dealt damage by a sword. Dude, I love touch. that pedantic judge question. That's a such a terrible question. Anyway, moving on. Just this question on the very first episode we were on together. And it's been dealt damage by a source with death touch since the last time state-based actions were checked, that creature is destroyed. So what it's basically saying here is that <clears throat> so the creature has to have more than zero toughness, that's fine, whatever. Because if it had zero toughness, the other state-based action handles it anyway. And then it's been dealt damaged by a uh, source with death touch since the last time state-based actions were checked. So what's interesting here is we only check to see if death touch is going to kill that creature one time. So let's take this this dark steel colossus again, right? And we do, and it blocks a one one with death touch. Uh, we check state-based actions. Dark steel's fine because he's indestructible. So uh, it so obviously this this state-based action will try to destroy it, but it can't because he's indestructible. Then a little bit later, we um, still see turned frog. Sudden whatever. Sudden spoiling. Sudden spoiling. Yeah, that works. It's got to be something that makes it a zero two and not a right. one. I made that right. mistake last time. So we <laughs> we sudden spoiling it. So it's an O two with no abilities, and uh, has that one damage marked on it. Well, some people might be like, "Well, that's death touch damage, so it should kill it." But that doesn't matter. The state based action has already checked. It only checks once, and it said at that time, it tried to destroy it, it couldn't, and that's it. And then the one damage just kind of lingers until the end of turn. Yeah. Yep, the, the one damage doesn't go anywhere until end of turn. It's It definitely does stick around. So if you turn that Darksteel Colossus into a, if you turn to frog it and make it a 1-1 with no abilities, mm-hmm. it's going to die. Yeah. But not because of Death Touch. It actually die this time because it does not have its replacement effect. Right. Talk planeswalkers. All right. <laughs> this is really straightforward, guys. <laughs> so if a planeswalker has zero loyalty, it's put into his donor's graveyard. All right. That's that's just just like creatures. That's not destroying. Right. Just pick it up, put it in the yard. Yep. That's all there is to it. All right. All right. Have you have you guys have you guys seen the uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor that's that's mocked up in like the old beta frame? Yeah, which is like the old wording, and it talks about like if the loyalty counters go down, you're supposed to discard the Planeswalker. Yeah, yeah, that card is really cool looking. I like that one. <laughs> CJ will put a link in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 evil. And you gotta find it too. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so this one, this uh, state-based action, is actually one that w- is different since the last time we recorded. Um, That's right. It is. It is now the uh, the planeswalker rule, uh, and it is if a player controls two or more planeswalkers that share a planeswalker type, not name, but type. That player chooses one of them, and the rest are put into the owner's graveyards. This is called the Planeswalker Uniqueness Rule. So what happens is, is if I have a uh, Jace, pick your favorite, on the battlefield, and I cast another Jace, pick your second favorite. um, Man, those are awesome Planeswalker names. They are really. (laughs) Like, I actually just kind of want, like... Like a double-faced Jace card that has like one version of Jace that's popular on one side and one version of Jace that's popular on the other side is just called Jace. Pick your favorite. As it enters the battlefield, you may transform it. <laughs> Someone's going to make a mock of that card. 
Jay's pick your favorite. That sounds like an awesome little spell. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so so now you play you play the second Jace, and so now you have two Jaces, and you have to you choose one of them, and put that one in the graveyard, and so you you effectively save one and put the other one in the yard. Now a lot of people are going to ask. It's like okay, well can I? Can I use the ability of the Planeswalker? Can I activate its uh, its ability? And the answer is no, because no after, what's that? I was going to say because as soon as you have more than one with the same type, you have to pick your favorite. You have to pick your favorite, right? And and they're not just like your children, okay? Or or maybe maybe they are. You know, where you where you say you don't have a favorite, but we all know <laughs> that you really do. You can get away with that because you only have one kid. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know, but if you have like two or three kids or planeswalkers, you have a favorite. It might be that one of them has more loyalty counters than the other. But anyway, um, so once that planeswalker resolves, once that planeswalker spell resolves and it becomes a planeswalker permanent on the battlefield, before you get priority, we're going to check state-based actions. So you are going to have to get rid of one of those planeswalkers. And then you get priority, and then you can activate and hope you chose wisely which one you want to keep. Right. Okay. So that is the Planeswalker uniqueness rule, henceforth known as the pick-your-favorite rule. Pick-your-favorite. Yes. We're about to have a second pick-your-favorite rule. Yes. <laughs> so uh, the next one is what's commonly known as the legend rule. And it just, it's very similar. So it says if a player has two or more legendary permanents with the same name, that player can choose one of them and the rest are put into their owner's graveyard. So it's the exact same. You pick your favorite one. The only differences here is, is we're looking at the name instead of the planeswalker type. And the names do have to be the exact same. So a chroma angel of fury and a chroma angel of vengeance are two different legendary permanents. They don't, they don't bump into each other. Right. Which is a little a little weird because of the way planeswalkers work, and what's funny about that is planeswalkers have become so staple that I would used I used to think that it was weird the other way that planeswalkers didn't work that way because I was used to legendary creatures and now I'm just like oh I'm more used to planeswalkers than legendary creatures, <laughs> and then yeah similar to that uh, Chandra Fire something of Kaladesh uh, you know the creature you could have her out and a Chandra planeswalker out because. Uh, One's a legendary thing, one's a planeswalker, so they're looking at two different things, even though the rules are very similar. They're they're looking at two completely different qualities. Right. If we want to be uh, super deep, we could also mention that both of the legendary permanents have to actually be legendary. So there's uh, a random thing in Kamigawa that can turn your land into a legendary land. So if you put that on a swamp, you only have one legendary swamp still. You would have to make all your swamps legendary to, for us to start to care. Right. So, um, do Enjoy. we even need to mention the yes. next one? Like, it doesn't matter. Yes, it's, you can't have an episode the, on... Look, I've, been, I've been playing Magic for... I don't even know how many years, and this has never been relevant to me. Look, man, Concordant Crossroads, Eternal Masters... Just, just, I got this one. Ready? The okay. Two more permanents have the sub super type world, all except one that has had the world super type the shortest amount of time are put in their owner's graveyards. In the event of a tie for the shortest amount of time, all, all are put into their owner's graveyards. This is called the world rule. Can we move on to the next one now? Uh, it's different. It's not pick your favorite. 
Yeah, this one's, <laughs> that's what's so weird about this one. It isn't. No, in this one, it's, it's your youngest child wins. Right. And if you have twins, you throw them both out. It's it's plane chase before plane chase. Yeah. It's the whole the whole idea was you had these world oh, enchantments. Oh man. Oh, uh, sorry. We're doing this, aren't we? <laughs> I love I the world rule. This was me this too. Was my jam back when I when I started. Same here. Um, so the world enchantments, yeah, it's it's when you play when you play one, uh, the, the all the previous ones go away, and if you warp world and a whole bunch of them come into play at once, well, you're gonna uh, you're gonna put them all in the graveyard. I love that. I love that you don't pick one. You know, none of them stay. They just all go away. Yeah, it's it's well, really. Let's not even try to solve this. <laughs> right. Uh, Jess must have written this. He's just like, ah, I don't care. Just get rid of all of them. <laughs> I don't have a favorite. These suck. You know what we're going to see happen one day is this this rule is going to get like subtly updated in a well, not a core set, but some kind of random set. And this time we'll know to look out for world enchantments to be coming back. I can't wait. Uh, I can't like, wait. It gets an update for eternal. No, they'll just release a new. I don't think case. it's going to happen, guys. They're just going to like, again. I like this is definitely below storm on the storm scale. Come on. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Why? It's not broken. No, it's it's just confusing. It's well, not, you can clean it up, make it work closer to legendary. A, it's only confusing because you haven't used it since 1994. Yeah. Uh, Banding is legit, guys. <laughs> hey. What's next? Uh, I think Crooks was it. Crooks told me uh that he actually got a legit banding question this weekend uh at the modern event yeah and unlikely i mean i know that banding does technically exist does it exist in modern is it not in a i don't think it's in i don't think it's in a so, uh we spent banalish hero plenty of time on on, a, no. on uh, the world rule so Moving on to now, a different now kind we're on of the banding rule, the banding nope. state based action. No, we already had an episode on that. It's called Lumpacola episode one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if anyone really wants that, they can. Okay. All right. All right. The the aura. Um, if an aura, okay, is attached to an illegal object or player, or is attached to, uh, or is not attached to an object or player, that aura gets put into the owner's graveyard. So if you have uh, basically. Uh, the way you can think about this is if you have a creature that is enchanted with, um, I'll say Holy Strength because it was the first one that came to mind. Okay, sure. Since we were just talking about banding, I'm in them in that mood. Um, and that creature dies, okay, it gets hit with a, a lightning bolt or something like that. It's a 1-1 one, one, uh, with Holy Strength on it. It gets hit with a lightning bolt. Uh, we're going to check and see how much damage is marked on the creature. Uh, it's enough to kill it. That creature is going to go away. It's going to be put into the graveyard. It's destroyed. We just checked our state-based actions, and we hit one. We're going to now check our state-based actions again, and we're going to see that we have an aura that is hanging out there in midair, much like Wiley Coyote hangs out in midair when he runs off a cliff. Right. And we're going to pick it up and we're going to put it in the graveyard. Uh, that also happens if the aura becomes attached to an illegal object or player. So if the aura says something like enchant green creature and the creature stops being green, like you've got it on a wild mongrel and you decide to discard a card and make the wild mongrel black, uh, you're now going to lose that enchantment. Or more commonly, the creature gains protection from the color. Yeah, the protection's aura. not evergreen, man. 
Neither is Wild Mongrel. Yeah, Wild so Mongrel's ability is Jeez, a... man. <laughs> wild Mongrel isn't an ability. Like, Dude, Wild Mongrel, so, it's like, I used to give you guys crap for not using standard legal cards. Wild Mongrel wasn't standard legal when we started doing this show. No, of course not. Look, man. Look, man. Look, man. Eternal Masters has me all nostalgic. <clears throat> all right. Uh, Jess, you can hit this next Where bear is All right, Eternal here Masters. we go. Yes, bear. If an equipment or a fortification <laughs> is attached to an illegal permanent, it becomes unattached from that permanent, but it remains on the battlefield. Yeah. So you might be asking, what is a fortification? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it. I just kind of become so used to it. It's a so, contraption that you assemble, right? Oh, that's, no, it's that's not, not quite. Happening. So fortification is, uh, there's only one card, I believe it's Darksteel Garrison, mm -hmm. uh, that is a fortification. It's a card from Time Spiral, actually from Future Side, I'm sorry. Uh, that is basically it's an equipment for land. It follows all the same rules as equipment, except instead of attaching to a creature, it attaches to a land. And only one exists right now. I think we might see fortification someday, but I'm, who knows when. They're kind of boring. Uh, yeah, there's, too, there's, not, there's not a lot of design space there, to be honest. I mean, you know all those enchant lands you guys are playing all the time? I guess we improved them. <laughs> Like, the only enchant lands that you play enchant your opponent's lands. Yes, they do, exactly. So, the fortifications can't do that, so uh, that's probably not happening. But anyway, uh, so if an equipment uh, is attached to an illegal permanent, say something that gets protection from artifacts, uh, it becomes unattached from that permanent. It doesn't go to the graveyard, it just becomes unattached. Now, what if it's... An an equipment that says it can only be attached to green creatures and you put it on a wild nacatl and then you change the color of the wild nacatl please put it in terms i can understand just dunks it, it the wild nacatl suddenly realizes that he is incapable <laughs> of holding I'm sorry she is incapable of holding this particular warhammer mm. and then drops it on the ground in favor of a lightsaber all right <laughs> that's that's a really good altar is that what you're yeah, I am. I am referring to the lightsaber altars. Yes, yes, those are money. All right, here's the best one in the world. If a creature is attached to an object or player, or a player, <laughs> hold on, repeat that. Repeat that sentence again. If a creature is attached to an object or player, it becomes unattached and remains on the battlefield. Similarly, if so a that's permanent like bitty kitty likes you or just yeah. kind of clamps onto you. Yeah, can you... Okay, hold on. So, similarly, if some if a permanent that's neither an aura, equipment, or fortification gets attached to something, it becomes unattached and remains on the battlefield. So, if somehow a land gets attached to something, uh, bludgeon okay. ball is how we're going to get there every time. So, so, there is a way for a creature to be attached to a player, all right? Okay, that was going to be my question. Okay, the way you do it is you use one of the curses from Innistrad, which are attached to players. Okay. And then you turn that permanent into a creature. Okay. Using, like, animate enchantment or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have an enchantment that is also a creature that is attached to a player. It has to become unattached to the player. It's very intuitive, but we need a rule to make it work. So we have a rule that makes it work. Yep. And so you're kind of seeing now why bestow creatures had to be auras while on the battlefield. And then 
or while attached to something, but then they turn into creatures afterward, right? They couldn't just continue being both creatures and auras, or they wouldn't be able to stay attached. Right. And it creates, if it does, it creates all sorts of weird, weird interactions where it's like, oh, well, I attack with my creature that's got another creature attached to it. Can I attack with that one also? It's, it's just, it's just sloppy. Right. It's, or, or rather, this, this, this right here prevents a whole lot of questions where it's like, eh, how would that work? Yeah. <laughs> Don't have to worry about it. It is impossible. All right. Um, I guess this next one that says, if a permanent has both uh, a plus one plus one counter and a minus one minus one counter on it, uh, in plus one plus one and in minus one minus one counters are removed from it, where in is the smaller number of the. Uh, basically, here's here's the way it works. Um, <laughs> if I've got a if I've got a plus one plus one counter and a minus one minus one counter on it, when Sabius actions are checked, they go they they anti they matter and antimatter they blow each other up. That's if such I, a stupid example. <laughs> It's such a what? It's a stupid example. Why? The, the matter antimatter thing. Why is it stupid? Mm. I don't know. I just you don't, like, you don't like Star Trek? You hate fun? Yeah, okay, so the reason I think it's a stupid example is because it was the official example. Like, oh. you, you could find rules tip cards from Shadowmore that explain it this way. Oh. <laughs> well, then, fine. I'll be more, I'll, I'll, I'll be more creative. Next, we record this episode. Sure, in like four years. <laughs> yeah, in four years we'll have this exact same conversation again because I won't remember. Just like the other state-based action one. Right. So, like, so, no, you don't check after triggers, Brian. So, <laughs> so, so here's a so one thing, especially with dealing with older cards. Um, older cards had like weird counters like plus two plus two counters and plus and like frankenstein's monster has like right. a plus two plus oh counter and stuff like that so the one that sees play is wall of roots which gets minus zero minus one counters well okay i like frankenstein's monster man yeah we're in a strad wall of roots doesn't help because there's no, okay go go so, ahead so anyway, <laughs> so anyway you can't you, those those counters this state-based action does not apply to any of those weird wonky non plus one plus one non minus one minus one counters okay right. now let's let's talk about one other uh uh interaction here uh I, I i guess it's important that that comes up whenever we talk about this kind of stuff is well if my creature cares about uh having plus one plus one counters on it or minus one minus one counters on it um when it dies, does it still have it? So if I've got a, a persist creature or a uh, undying creature or a modular creature or whatever, uh, and so I have a uh, uh, I have a a one one creature that has a plus one plus one counter on it. Um, it's an undying. It's an undying creature, uh, and it gets hit with something that gives it two minus one minus one counters on it. The question is, when it dies, did it have a plus one plus one counter on it? Okay, because what we have is we actually have two state-based actions that are trying to do something at the exact same time. We're trying to have the the state-based action that says, well, I've got two toughness, I've got two damage marked. Uh, uh, sorry, I've got. Uh, at this particular point, if it got the minus one, minus one counters, it would, it has a zero toughness, okay, 
So it's trying to go to the graveyard because of that state-based action. But then I also have another state-based action that says, hey, these counters uh, explode each other. Or some of those counters are going to explode each other. Explode. Use the word explode. Explode. They're going to explode each other. And Undying, meanwhile, cares about when the creature died if it had any plus one, plus one counters on it. Okay. So what, what do you do? Do these do – these, does the does one of the minus one minus one counters explode with the plus one plus one counter before or after it dies? How's that work? And when we at the very beginning of this episode we say that all of these things happen simultaneously at the exact same time. So we look at before we start resolving state based actions. Okay, we have a creature on the battlefield. Uh, it has a it is a one one creature with one plus one plus one counter on it and two minus one minus one counters on it. That's what we start with before we check state-based actions. When we go through all the state-based actions, what we end up with is the the counters exploding each other at the same time as the creature dying. So when we get out of state-based actions, we have a creature in the graveyard. Okay, so from a gameplay perspective, the game looks back and sees that that creature as it existed on the battlefield. And as it existed on the battlefield, it had a plus one, plus one counter on it. So undying, um, it don't it don't do nothing. <laughs> it don't do nothing. Well, fine, it like it's, that's uh, that's that's some official rules terminology there. Yeah. That is that is some official official rule. Uh, I feel so like we've uh, explained that interaction more than any other interaction on this show. Yes, that one has we come have. up so many times. No, I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm just saying we we were getting questions with it about it like years after Innerstrad was out. Or Dark Ascension. Mm-hmm. I got it. Sure. We get it, we get it with modular. I mean, the, the question yeah, holds yeah. up with, with modular and stuff like that. Yeah. Because okay. it's one of these creatures that it's, it seems like this is a list. These state-based actions are a list of things that you would, pl- you would plow through in order. And they're right. not. They happen simultaneously. And this really is the, is the ultimate example to illustrate that point. I just had this mental image of like she said you plow through them in order, and so I just have this mental image of like eighteen different plows plowing a field at the same time because you plow through them simultaneously. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, so we're about to get into state based actions we don't care about very much, and I know <laughs> we definitely do. These are one... great state based actions. So a, well, look, I'm speaking up for the the disenfranchised state based actions of the world. Okay. All right. I was once I once ran for triggers president. Now I can run for state based actions president. <laughs> hold on, hold on. We did we did miss one. We missed. No, uh, we haven't missed it. It's one of the ones we don't care about as much. No, 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 no. We missed we missed a seven oh four dot five s dot five o. We missed it. Mm-mm. It doesn't exist. Oh, I know, what are you I know, trying to troll me? Yeah, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so, so anything, anything, so any list in the comp rules that goes as far as O uh, just gets skipped because of the possible confusion with zero. Yeah, same with L. Yeah. Um, so he's just being a troll. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, so I care about this next one for okay. the record. So in a two-headed giant game. No, the one before it. What? If oh. Oh, that one. Yeah, I I shifted it down. Why a, a is that? Lot. Why is that in the things we care about? <laughs> because I didn't read it. We before really that. don't care about. This. That's why I downgraded it to ones we don't care about. It applies to one card. Right. <laughs> sure, you read this one. Okay. So, if a permanent 
with an ability that says it can't have more than encounters of a certain kind on it, has more than encounters of that kind on it, all but n of those counters are removed from it. So basically, if something says it can't have more than seven feather counters on it, then state-based actions will handle making sure it always has seven feather counters on it. How random and arbitrary. <laughs> and it's for one card, and I used to be able to name it... Rasputin Dreamweaver. There it is. <laughs> Not to be confused with Hakeem Loreweaver. No. Rasputin Dreamweaver is 4-1 legendary creature human wizard. Enters the battlefield with seven dream counters on it. Uh, Rasputin can't have more than seven dream counters on it. Yeah. The state-based action handles that. All right, now we can go to the ones we don't care about. And Jess, you can just handle the next two. I think people got the gist. Okay, so I care about this one. Okay. Uh, in a two-headed giant game, if a team has zero or less life, that team loses the game. I care about this a lot because that's how you make your opponent lose in two-headed giant. Um, second, in a two-headed giant game, if a team has 15 or more poison counters... That team loses the game. I used to care about this one <laughs> when we when we had well, sealed formats with poison counters. I would say when you had that though, I believe it was only ten counters, wasn't it? Uh, it switched. It switched uh, before New Phyrexia, but after gotcha. the release of of Mirror to Besieged. So Mirror to Besieged was the last sealed format where you could have the like really cheaty stuff going on with that. Okay, so here, here's a here's a, a question for you guys. Um, so we have in the single player ones, we have three state based actions that deal with player death, but in two at a giant, we only have two state based actions that deal with team death. Right, uh, because why are drawing cards? Team death. What's because that? It, you, because that player will still lose the game, and when when a player loses, the team loses. loses. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So you don't need one. And uh, let's see, the next one doesn't apply to a real format, so we can just skip oh. it. Oh, uh, Brian, you can have it. Uh, and I'll yeah, handle okay. the last two. Captain, Captain real Tiny Leaders. I, I swear, <laughs> I, the, next one, the next one, I can't make myself read it. Um, in, in a, okay, so this one is, in a commander game, a player that has been dealt 21 or more combat damage by the same commander over the course of the game loses the game. This is uh, the important things to remember. This is so. This is basically the commander swinging in, getting in the red zone, and hitting you for twenty-one points of damage. It does not care. It does not matter who controls that commander. It could even be your commander. Yes. If it hits you combat damage, twenty-one points of it, you's dead. Yep. The, the important part is you have to get twenty-one damage from the same commander. Right. And, and uh, I saw this question come up the other day. It cannot be copies of that commander either. Right. Has to be actually that card, right? There's a there's a commander ish. It is an attribute of the actual physical card. That is not. It is not copyable. All right. Okay, let's do it. I'm gonna just read it because I don't even know what it means. <clears throat> in an arch enemy game, if a non ongoing scheme card is face up in the command zone and it isn't the source of a triggered ability that is triggered but not yet left the stack, that scheme card is turned face down and put on the bottom of its owner's scheme deck. Okay, cool. I can tell you. I can tell you what that means. Do you want to? Yeah, I mean, sure. It's not going to be on the level one test, so I'm... No, it's really not. <laughs> but it's it's one of my favorite casual variants, because it's the only one of the only formats that lets me play a deck against, like, 12 people simultaneously. Yeah. Do you like this format? Yeah. Only if I get to beat the Arch Enemy, though. <laughs> Why does that not yeah. surprise me? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Dude, it's one of the only formats I can think of where Hex is a viable spell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a Hex in my EDH deck. That's not a format, though. <laughs> it's, it is a format. It's, what, what it's, it's, Hex is great when killing five just isn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So did you want to explain it or not? Uh, no, it's fine. Well, I mean, so, right. so it's a casual variant uh, where at the beginning of uh, where, where a bunch of players play against one person, that person is the arch enemy. So at the beginning of the arch enemy's turn, a triggered ability goes on the stack that sets a scheme in motion from a special deck called the Scheme Deck. And some schemes are ongoing and some are not. The ones that are not ongoing, they they uh, the trigger or they go into the they they they. they do the thing, whatever the thing is, uh, when the trigger resolves, and then um, the trigger leaves the stack, and the scheme is put face down and put on the bottom of its owner's scheme deck, and this state-based action is what makes that actually work the way it's intended. And then, in a plane chase game, if a phenomenon card is face up in the command zone, and it isn't the source of a triggered ability that's triggered but not yet the stack, the planar controller planes walks. <laughs> um, and let's go I, a little deeper... <laughs> into plane chase but it's kind of i mean it's kind of the same thing that jess was just talking about it's just to make sure that you keep going through that shared deck right so 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 there's there's plane chase is supposed to be you're visiting a plane and normally the planes are planes that come out and they're static and they sit there until you planes walk away but occasionally you'll flip over a phenomenon card the phenomenon card has a triggered ability and when that triggered ability resolves you just go get the next card from the plane chase deck, it's that's called planeswalking. Yeah, I actually did air quotes. <clears throat> All right, and then there's uh, there's one other little state based action, but it's not actually in the comprehensive rules because the comprehensive rules does not handle it. It's actually a tournament rule, and it's commonly referred to as the sudden death rule. Someone want to tell me about the sudden death rule? Yeah, I can tell you about the sudden death rule. Please do. So, in a single elimination tournament. With time limits, so it has to be those two qualities have to be met. Uh, with time limits, when you reach the time limit, uh, just like a normal tournament, you have five additional turns at the end of the game. However, if at the end of those five turns neither player has won the game, and the the game score is tied, so it's either game one or three, basically, then the game continues with an additional state-based action, and the additional state-based action, if I remember correctly, is that if at any time a player has another a higher life total than their opponent, they win the game. It might actually be the other way around. Is it that it's, they have a lower one, they lose? If a play, if a player does not have the highest life total, they lose. Okay. Which causes some some pretty interesting things to happen. Um, and you know, if you if you crack a fetch land, you will lose. If you play something that gains you life, you will win. Uh, it makes cheap creature cheap efficient creatures more powerful than they have really any right to be um right okay so let's let's talk about like practically you know we're talking about single elimination matches that are timed this only happens at last this only happens in my experience almost always only happens uh at last chance trials at grand prix the only other place i have seen this happen is at Pro Tour qualifiers back in the day when we had the large Pro Tour qualifiers at Grand Prix where they were it was like one in the morning and they were like, we have to leave the venue now. Yep. Uh, and so, so it really only happens at 
last chance trials uh, for Grand Prix that occur on the Friday before that Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Because those are those are timed and those are single, like every round is single elimination. Right. Uh, this also happens in the Mini Masters events at Grand Prix. And if, it, really, anytime you have a single elimination event that's timed, which happens on the side events floor of Grand Prix. Yes. Okay. I think we've been very clear with that. Because I do want to stress that I keep hearing, you know, at the pre-release, like, oh, what happens after these five turns? Is it highest life title? No. It's a draw. You know, I kind of want to, I feel like at the pre-release, maybe it should be highest life total. Like, would that be bad? Yeah. Uh, other than the fact that they might, it would teach them that that's, uh, that that's how other matches would be, potentially. Would that be bad either? Because, like, most of the times... I mean, it depends on the store, of course, but most of the times a draw just means you're both kind of going out of price. (laughs) How bad would it be to get rid of unintentional draws? I don't know. That's that's a that's a different question. That's a whole other topic. So let's do a few examples I have. And I think I think we've hit them all as we've gone. So I think we're just going to zoom through these. Um, One is from the last episode. And these cards weren't relevant then either. So we have Morrow and Wheel of Fortune. So Morrow has uh, power and toughness equal to the number of cards in your hand. And Wheel of Fortune has you discard your hand and then draw a uh, new seven, I think. Doesn't matter. You draw more cards. And, of course, the example here is, well, does Morrow die? And I think we've we've hit enough that, no, Morrow is not going to die there. The uh, state-based actions are not checked in the middle of a spell resolving. So... Morrow's just going to be just fine. It does have a power toughness of zero for a brief period of time. It does. Um, but, you know, so if a card theoretically cared about that mm-hmm. uh, and would trigger off that condition, that card would trigger. Um, I don't know. It's a theoretical card. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's not going to It's not gonna die. So <clears throat> a similar thing is a – well, it's not similar at all. So say you have three pack rats out, right? Remember him? That's Ravnica. I'm getting close. Return to Ravnica, even. Yeah, that card was fun and fair. Yeah. So pack rats have power and toughness equal to the number of pack rats you control. Is it pack rats or rats? I think it's actually just rats. I think it's actually rats, too. I do, too. Yeah. So you have three pack rats yep. out. They're all three threes. And you cone of flame them. So cone of flame deals three damage to one target, two damage to another target, one damage to the third target. So you cone of flame all three. Uh, state-based actions are checked. First one dies because it has three damage on it. Okay. State-based actions are going to be checked again because they did something. So now they see a 2-2 with two damage marked on it and a 2-2 with one damage marked on it because all the rats got smaller because now there's only two rats. So the second one dies and repeat for the third one. Yep. So just trying to cement home the old once we check, we do we keep checking over and over again until there's nothing left to do. I, th- I think you're mixing your... Uh... You, you you want to cement it home? Yeah. Okay. I just cemented it home. You don't want to drive it home. No, I'm going to cement it home. Okay. Well, once it once he, well, what do you do <laughs> in your home, CJ? Yeah. Cementing it. <laughs> You're cementing it. I don't see the problem. All right. So, so you leave work. You have to get you have to get home from work, and you're like, I'm going to go cement home now. Yeah. Oh man, the traffic on my cement to home was awful today. <laughs> Okay, pulling out of the driveway. No, no, what that means. It's time for another cement to home. <laughs> All right, one last one. My absolute favorite state-based action question ever. 
is it involves Hurricane and Platinum Angel. So Platinum Angel says you can't lose the game. <clears throat> and Hurricane deals X damage to each player and each creature with flying. So say you and your opponent are both at four. You Hurricane 4-4. Four, four. So four damage to each player, four damage to Platinum Angel is what's going to happen here. So we check state-based actions. We're like, well, what happens? State-based actions are checked, and uh, three state-based actions are true here. We have two players at zero life. So that's two state-based actions, plus Platinum Angel is needs to be put in the graveyard because she has four damage marked on her. So we perform all of those simultaneously, and once again, since we're doing them simultaneously, then Platinum Angel is still on the battlefield when the state-based actions are trying to kill you, because that's just what it was uh, at the moment right before we did all the state-based actions. So, state so Platinum Angel's still out there, state-based actions try to kill you but can't because Platinum Angel is still going to save you. So what ends up happening is state-based actions um, kill Platinum Angel, kill your opponent, you survive, and we don't check state-based actions again because the game is now over because your opponent has lost. So you, you survive at zero life. If we did, if we were playing in like a three-person game or a four-person game or something like that, where the game isn't over when one player gets eliminated, we would check state-based actions again, and well, now you're dead too. Yeah, now you're dead too. And if you reanimated that Platinum Angel from their graveyard, and then you died, and now it went back to their graveyard before you died, instead of just being exiled because there's no control effect. And I can clearly not choose the wine glass in front of me. Yes. All right. So let's get into some news. We done done? done with state-based actions? Yeah, we're done. That's all the state-based actions. Do we want to cover state triggers at all, or is that in a different episode? I think it's totally different. All right, fair enough. Different episode. Um, there was one new one since, since last time we did this episode. I think it was the two-headed giant 15. No? no, I'm not sure which one was new. No, the, the, it's the planeswalker one. That's the one that changed. No, not changed. New. Like last no, time. No, you're thinking, you're thinking of tournament shortcuts. What? No, the last time we did this, it didn't go up to X. It went up to W. Is it, it might be Arch Enemy. No. Did that exist four years ago? Yeah, I think it did. I don't know that. I don't. Uh, we might have ignored it four years ago, just like we did now. It's, it's miserable. Uh, so there's a new one, huh? Stupid. Uh, could it be? Phased out copy of spell. Yeah, in the old show notes, we have Arch Enemy in there. Actually, we don't have Plane Chase in there though. But Plane Chase came second. Weird. That's weird. Oh, oh, I know what it is. It's one of it's, the aura ones, isn't no, it? No, 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 no. It's the, it's the, uh, it's the two HG poison one. No, that's that's in there. No, I think I bet we just had a typo. No, I wonder if we did if we recorded before phenomenons existed because those came out in the second plane chase release. Hmm. 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 All this right. was episode episode forty oh. one. 41. Yeah, we're going to have to go back and listen to it now. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Man, and then we're going to see. All right, so. I'm going to have to listen to it for the first time. <laughs> I bet you listened to it back then. I don't think I did. All right. You don't like lists? Lists of 22? I think it's actually is it 22 now. I think so. Because yeah, 21 last time. <laughs> and I'm claiming there's one more. The trick is you can't count the letters, as Brian illustrated earlier. Like, O is not there, no. L is not there. 
Right, 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 right. All right, so GP Charlotte uh, happened. It did. Uh, I was at it. <laughs> I was not. I was I was on the other country in L.A. where we managed to finish our Grand Prix six minutes before yours. Yes, I heard. Hey, I heard it was only three minutes. I, I know how minutes. long it was because I sent Crooks a message when the last slip came in, and he sent me a message when the last slip came in, and I have timestamps. <laughs> yep. Yeah, CJ Crook got to wear the red shirt, but I want to talk about that a little bit, what happened there. Um, because I was there, because I, I got I got the understanding, is basically uh, there was a data issue with the scorekeeping software. I'm not going to say the scorekeepers entered something wrong, but they entered something that um, Walter just really didn't know how to handle. And from then on out, it would pair players randomly, or it wiped out all their match points, or... Yeah. I, from from what I heard, it was at the end of round two, a player with buys mm. was added was added to the event, uh, like a a player who had been dropped or wasn't or some somehow adding a play add, late adding a player with buys, uh, corrupted the data, and the the problem was in round two. So when they did they did round three, and then it manifested itself in round four. So when they went back and tried to fix things with with uh, they they didn't they weren't able to go far enough back because they didn't realize how that the that the error was actually one round further back than they thought it was. Yeah, I saw them re-enter all of round three. Yeah, the, right. the, the the it came from my best understanding, and there are a lot of a lot of things that are not fully understood about this situation. My best understanding is that it happened because they entered. Um, they, they answered this player. For, so so the tournament software now allows for multiple scorekeepers to be entering events from different terminals. And one of them is the main event computer. And the others are like the, the tertiary event computers. And somebody tried to add this person from the tertiary event computers. And somehow between there and connecting to the main computer, it got messed up and created a data corruption issue. Right, and that's and that's happened at other events too. At at, G, at SCG Atlanta uh, back in January, I think it was. Just didn't you lose a? You lost a round due to something like this. Uh, we actually lost a round. Yes, it was due to a similar problem. We lost an entire round. However, um, this was slightly different in that we weren't dealing with a data corruption issue that we didn't know where the data was corrupt, we immediately were able to identify the problem. And we had something like a 20 minute delay because we had to re-enter a round, but we were able to fix the problem and continue forward. Um, this happened because even though they had the ability to go back and, and re-enter the round, they didn't know where the problem was and mm -hmm. couldn't re and it was unfeasible to restart the event from the beginning and just re-enter everything. However, if they had made that decision the moment it happened, we would have ended at about the same time. Yes. If we just restarted the tournament. Obviously, you can't make that decision. I'm just saying. Right, but at the, at the same time, you wouldn't have had to have dropped all those players. So the delay probably would have seemed longer as a result. Yeah. Like at least at least if it's taking like an hour to see this big giant line of people trying to drop from the event, you can say like you go like, OK, they're working through that. Mm -hmm. But if it's just the scorekeeper furiously doing stuff and there's no line or anything, you're sitting there like, why is this taking so long? <laughs> so, yeah, and so that's worth mentioning is that uh, Star City Games after round four offered anyone who wanted to drop, because this is going to affect your tiebreakers. You know, if you're, um, 
not doing well. You're paired randomly. Yeah, Yeah, you're paired randomly. So anyone who wanted to drop, they could, and they would get a free challenge badge for the weekend that let you play in the challenge events and star city games added challenge events um so i want to give a lot of props to star city games i feel like they handled it the best anyone could right Uh, short of of making a new main event right which was not gonna happen yeah um they they did they just so i i was you know one it's one thing to give out the challenge badges but then to add at least one sealed event after that Right, because and you, so many people just just got in that sealed event and dropped. It yeah. was something like like Six, a seven. third. Oh yeah, a third a third of the people just got their packs and dropped. Yeah, apparently six hundred eighty people dropped and six hundred eighty people got into that sealed event, which I know is coincidence in some ways, but still. Right, but funny. like after after they handled all the no sh- all the drops and the no shows, there was only like four. There was like four hundred ish people still in the event. So a lot of people took their packs and mm-hmm. just headed out. Yep. Um, so one one thing I do want to want to mention there was there was a lot of confusion back and forth because they said you know uh, I think it was it was round four was paired randomly uh, round five uh, uh, they they were able to get one of the rounds working and then the next round things the the problem came back and it stopped working they said your tiebreakers aren't gonna roll over to the next day and then they are. What what happened? What happened there was in in DCIR, which was the old the old tool that we were using uh, that scorekeepers were using, you know, up to about a year ago. Um, the way events were handled was day two was a separate event. Normally, it was they they did they did some scorekeeper magic, and that's why your 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 tiebreakers reset is because normally they had to merge the two events because DCIR only handled. Uh, uh, up to 2,000 players, uh, 999 tables. Um, so only handled up to 2,000 players. So you'd have to merge those events, and that's that's why your tiebreakers reset. It was it was a software limitation. Word doesn't have that software limitation. You mean Walter? Were, sorry, Walter doesn't have that software limitation. Um, where where they ran into to problems is they were just thinking like, oh, okay, well we'll just re- reset it. Well, Walter doesn't have that that option to the ability to reset tiebreakers because it's not something that you would expect to do normally. Um, So that's kind of why there was, there was a bit of jerking around in the sense of, okay, here's the plan. And then, Oh crap, that can't be the plan. So that plan doesn't work guys. Right. So, so there's the, there's this catch 22 of we we players you know we we want to know what's going on but some you know we want to know what's going on as soon as as soon as we can know what's going on but then the the consequence of that is is sometimes going forward things change so you can have a plan this is the plan and then 10 minutes and you announce it and then 10 minutes later that's not the plan anymore and that's judging in a lot of, in a lot of ways it's you create a plan and some period of time later that plan doesn't work anymore and you have to constantly adapt and 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 change and that's sometimes why if you ask a judge for some information uh, they might not know because the information that they had is old and it changed just recently that's one of the great things that star city does with uh, the customer service area is those those people at the customer service uh, station it's their job to stay on top of that thing of uh, the constantly changing mass of plans and sub plans and and locations of events and stuff like that mm-hmm. 
So they did. Yeah. I have hats off, hats off to star city. Um, I'm even going to say like, like, you know, wizards owning, I mean, they, they made some tweets where it was just like, yes, this is completely on us. Uh, star mm-hmm. City's doing a yeah. great job. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. I, I'm glad I'm, I was happy to see them completely owned up to it and all that. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping it leads to fixes in the future and all that. Yeah, I'm I'm actually hoping because a lot of these problems that Walter has had, that, that Walter had, has been reported in some form or fashion multiple times over the last year. Mm-hmm. And what's what's happened is it's just the 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 cadre of scorekeepers is a is a small group of people and they're able to work around certain problems and they they're they're taught how to work around the the limitations of the software and so the priority in fixing these things isn't very high because you can just rely on on people to perform workarounds that you know might delay the event 5 to 10 minutes but that's not you know that's not worth getting a software developer to fix the problem. Yes. Yeah, I'm being a little sarcastic there, but uh, but but hopefully, I'm 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 actually very very hopeful that the the huge publicity of this will inspire them to fix it. Yes. So, in other news, oh, and we'll post an art. We'll have an article in the show notes that kind of goes into deeper, a little bit deeper about this uh, from we- one of these scorekeepers at the event. Yeah, uh, Jen, Jen, Jen Derry. Right, it was Jen Derry that that wrote an article about it. That's actually really in depth on the topic of how it used to be with the CIR, how it is now, and and why the problems that occurred occurred. Yeah, her blog is really good. Yeah, I would agree with that that assessment. Okay, good. So, in other news, uh, since Chewie and I were in the same place at the same time, and I guess he was doing his little three questions side podcast that he does occasionally at events, he interviewed me, and I answered three questions with answers so shocking, you won't believe it. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. You won't you, believe number two. You won't believe number two. All we, right. We, we have become like BuzzFeed judge cast now. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> State-based actions, you won't believe number 22. <laughs> so... Can we? You mentioned crooks. Can we also mention Billy Willie? No, no. Yeah, Billy. Yeah, I would like to. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he he. Uh, Matt Williams, who's been on the show before, Billy Willie, um, was the was one of the appeals judges at uh, Grand Prix LA on the other coast, and uh, he did a really good job. He 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 kind of knocked it out of the park. Honestly, he did uh, did great work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was awesome. It was a good time. Obviously he wasn't dealing with players that were delayed for three hours, mm-hmm. but he did a really good job and, and I was happy to work with him in LA. So this, this is just from a, from a bit of Southeast pride, you know, Crooks isn't in the region anymore, but yeah, he, he's still kind of still. Is. Yeah. He's, he's still, still kind of Southeast. It's, it's still in his heart. He's still southeast. Billy Willie is is southeast. So this was this was a a, a good weekend for for the hometown boys uh, who got to got to represent in the red shirt. Both of them on the same weekend. It was really it was really great to see that. So proud of you guys. Yeah. Uh, no, another news. Actually, I almost forgot. We have a new level three. Rob Castellan. Oh right, that was from uh... Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Yep. Toronto. So congratulations to him, and we have a new regional coordinator. This is the thing we knew about it last time, but it wasn't public yet, so I did, so we couldn't actually say it. Uh, we have a new regional coordinator in John Alderfer. He is taking over the 
northeast. Northeast. Okay, nailed it. This is uh, the northeast. From Sean Doherty. <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. So so now now we can maybe stop making the Aldifer lives in the GP kit jokes and start no. making he lives in the no northeast no north no. no. No, he just keeps a spare blue shirt and a doobie kit. <laughs> <laughs> he, he balls it up and uses it as a pillow. Um, re- regional regional coordinators, uh, whereas GP head judges have red shirts and uh, the floor judges have black shirts, regional coordinators have blue shirts. Yes. Uh, glib blue shirts. Yes. Uh, they used to have really awesome looking, totally cool, like – Deep royal blue shirts, and now right. they have these just heinous <laughs> baby blue shirts. They are really like a business. Super, like they're like the eye. the ugliest judge shirts we've ever seen. Well, they really don't look. No, good. they're worse. They're worse than the like Kuala Lumpur floral print shirts. I was gonna say the Georgia judge shirt, the, our first iteration. Oh yeah, well, which one was that? Was I, that the, one was the sea that. captain one? Oh, the life preserver one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Need to get. Yeah. Anyway, okay. All right, if you want to contact us, you can email us at, g- at gmail at judgecast.com. Oh, yeah. No, don't do that. Twitter us on follow at judgecast. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Facebook, follow us, like us, Twitter. Please do like the us. Thing. Do the thing. Send the message. We will do answer. the thing. Yeah, you'll get there. You'll get there. All right, guys, anything else about state-based actions? This one actually did end up shorter than episode 41, even with all the... Uh, other talk we've gotten better at this <laughs> we have uh the news in episode 41 was that we were all level zeros again remember that yes in i DCI. do remember that yeah wait we were wait this was back in january four years Ooh. ago oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that yeah okay all so right. yeah four years ago the, there was a bug in the system that reset everybody's level back to zero yeah right so okay Thank you guys for being with us. Thanks everyone else for listening to us list some stuff from the rules. I hope it was a little helpful. Some portions of it are more helpful than others. My name is CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman, and I keep refusing to read the Arch Enemy State-Based Action. (laughs) So... I don't think that we're normal.